You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let's take our Bibles, please, and uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, Pastor Dave and I, together, over the next two Sundays, are going to uh, make an attempt at opening up some, uh, some thought uh, and some response on your behalf to God. In particular, we want to encourage you in being thankful, uh, being grateful. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're going to try to share a few things with you in these two Sundays to help sort of bring us to that place of being able to approach God with a heart that is very thankful, very grateful. Um, so to do that today, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, a thankful heart, uh, but I'm also going to talk about one particular obstacle to being grateful, to being able to cultivate a heart that is grateful, uh, being able to cultivate a heart that is uh, readily able to just approach God, you know, the the Bible tells us that we are, we are privileged to be able to approach the throne of God, uh, and we can do that uh, very easily. We can come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, but I think there are a lot of things in the world that, that get around us and get in us that makes it hard for us to approach God. It makes it difficult for us to, to come to Him and to, to pray and to offer praise and thanksgiving to Him. And uh, some of those things are small, and they just need to be dealt with and taken care of, and we need to move on. But sometimes some of those things can be quite challenging. They can be quite big things. And I want to talk to you in particular about one of those today, and that is the idea of, of uh, how much unforgiveness can play in our inability to be grateful, to be thankful, and to approach God. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that a little bit today, and I want to encourage you to let God... Let the Holy Spirit really speak to your heart, really uh, open you up to those places that maybe there's some level of, of unforgiveness or offense in your life. I get offended very easily. I find, I find myself sometimes getting, getting offended very easily. I find myself not being very forgiving, you know. Um, I especially get offended at drivers. Uh, and I'm the worst driver in the world, and yet I get very offended at other drivers, you know. And, and so uh, I realize that, you know, my heart gets poisoned, especially on Louise Avenue for some reason and 41st Street. I get very poisoned driving those particular roads, you know. And it, it affects how I can approach God. I have to pray and, and uh, really get my, my heart right. And I'm teasing you a little bit, but not really. I, 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 I do easily get offended uh, at people around me. And I think we all do. I think that's, that is part of our humanity is to, to easily find offense at things. Okay, so let us just talk about that with you a little bit this morning as, as we go forward here. Here's our hope. <clears throat> our hope is that as we talk to you over the next couple of Sundays, that you're going to be able to go into family dynamics during the holidays. And you're going to be able to love your family. You're going to be able to overlook things. You're going to be able to forgive you're going to be able to dismiss things, all right? You're, just going, you're going to be able to go in there with a love and a desire to not only fellowship with your family and enjoy them, uh, but to see the good in them and ultimately to be a witness, to be a light among your family. How many of you have unsaved family members, people in your, your, either your immediate or extended family? I have them in my very immediate family, so this is very important to me, that, that we are sharing the gospel, yes, that we are being a light in some way, um, you know, and that, that we're loving our families 
uh, during this holiday season, and that we actually desire to go and be with them. It's amazing how many Christians I hear, oh yeah, we, we've got to make, you know, the, the traditional, uh, you know, expected family trip, you know, the obligatory run, we've got to do that, you know, and, and so even in the conversation, you already know, oh, it's not good there. <laughs> that is not the safest place for this person to go. They're not wanting to go there, they're not happy. This is totally out of obligation. It's this legalistic adventure, all right? And so we want to try to be able to maybe even take some of that down, okay, and, and get us to, to uh, approach God so that we can approach others uh, or approach others and then approach God, either way, all right? But we want to be able to get some of these things out, out, taken care of, so to speak, all right? So hopefully we can do that some today. And so at the end, I, want to, I just want to pray for you. So I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to try to get you somewhere here where I can pray with you and um, we can lay some things down today as God's people and uh, maybe pick some good things up along the way here as well. And then Pastor Dave's going to wrap this kind of two-part thing up next week and talk to you about some other issues of the heart around being thankful, okay? So with that, let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Take your Bibles, open it there, and I want to begin reading at verse 13. Now, we went through Colossians, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about Colossians here. We've been there a lot in the past, Um, but I just just want to take you through this particular little segment because I love it. I absolutely love this particular passage. I think it's sort of like uh, uh, a hallmark passage. It's part of the, the, you know, if you get the little condensed manual of how you should live and relate to God and to others, this little passage would definitely be right there at the top of that, that little, little, you know, manual, all right? So let's just read through it, and then we'll go back and, and work through some of the passages together here, okay? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have, all right, against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15, Let the peace of God, or the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then here it is, And be thankful. All right? Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And lastly, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this is Your Word. We have read it publicly here among us. Would You now let it... Soak deep into our hearts. Let it, let it saturate us. Let it, let it do a work deep within us, God. Would you bring understanding? Would you bring conviction? Would you bring uh, a prompting of the Holy Spirit to us right now to act on this word uh, that it may inspire us to change? So we give it to you. I give you this congregation. I give you these moments, God. I ask you to allow me as a, as a servant and as a, as a voice to decrease so that the Spirit of the Lord may increase through me and that Christ may have preeminence in this message today and that we all may be more like Jesus than we ever have been. Do a deep work in us for your glory, your honor, your praise. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. I could ask you all what you're thankful for, and you'd all give me a lot of different things. Some of you would try to to share very noble things and very spiritual things. Some of you would just share what comes off the top of your head and, and maybe it's something that you just really prize or you just really enjoy in your life. I remember being in a group once and I said, let's, let's everybody just, you know, I don't like that, that Thanksgiving thing you do around the table where everybody goes around and says what you're thankful for. I don't, I don't enjoy that very much, all right? But, you know, I've, I've been guilty of the same thing in a small group. Well, let's talk about what we're thankful for, you know. And I, we were going around the group once and this, this kid, he, he was just looking at everybody and he's watching them intently as they're saying what they're thankful for. And you can tell he's just waiting for it to get to him. You know, he's got, I'm thinking, this kid has something amazing. He is so so ready to tell us what he is thankful for, you know, and so it's going around, and every time I'm watching him, you know, I listen and I'm watching, you know, and it's getting, it gets to him, and he goes, I am so thankful for toilet paper! <laughs> <laughs> Loves it! <laughs> Just really thankful that he has toilet paper. All right, it's a good thing, it's a good thing. You wouldn't want to be without toilet paper. And he certainly didn't want to be, you know. He's just really great. He's, I thank God for toilet paper. I, I wish I could have met the person who invented toilet paper. And he's just on and on about toilet paper. All right? I don't know what it is that really, you know, where, where you're at with what you're thankful about. But we live in a country that allows us to be extremely prosperous. It allows us to, to be, in, in, in a global perspective, among the wealthiest of people. And Pastor Dave's going to talk to you a little bit more about that sort of perspective next week, I think. But what I want you to understand as we start out this morning is that if we are here and, and we're alive and we're functioning in America, we are blessed. We're blessed among people to be able to be in this country and to have and experience the things that we are experiencing in life. And, and uh, so we need, we need to cultivate this attitude of gratefulness. And I think that very thing that I just described to you, this, this reality that we are so blessed and we have so much and we are among the world's wealthiest, tends to move us away from that heart of gratitude. We tend to take many things for granted, like toilet paper. And we tend to not think about the things so much that we are, are without on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we're, we are thinking about all the things we can have but we're, we're, not, we're not really at a place where any of us are suffering like the rest of the world suffers economically and, and emotionally and, and physically. So I want to challenge us today that we live out of our experience, yes, but we live out of the Bible. We live out of truth as well, all right? And the, and the truth of God's Word tempers us. And so um, Friday night we had harp and bowl here. It was absolutely excellent harp and bowl. And I was sitting over in, in the back here, <clears throat> and I was kind of coming in and out because I was having to do some other things too, but catching these wonderful nuggets of harp and bowl prayer and worship. And, um, and as I was sitting over here in, in the back looking and listening, um, I can't remember exactly who came up, but someone came up uh, near the end uh, in a little 10-minute section where, where I think where people could come up and, and just share and pray. Um, and, and they... They prayed out of Second Timothy, and 
I'm sure that you've heard these, these passages many times before, but something caught me and, and it just stuck with me. Maybe it's because I was thinking about being grateful and, uh, and, and, and being filled with thanksgiving. Um, but they, they quoted the scriptures or read the scriptures from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is a passage that talks about the end times. And it, and it describes the kind of people that will be prevalent all right, during the end times. Um, and it says there, it says, it says, mark this. In other words, make a point to remember this. All right, mark this in your, in your mind or, or in your heart. There will be terrible times in the last days. Not hard times, not difficult times. He uses the word terrible times. These, these will be the worst times. And then he goes on to say, this is what people will be like. And he begins to describe them. And he says that they'll be lovers of themselves and they'll be lovers of money and they'll be boastful. And, and uh, he uses words like abusive. Uh, he uses words like slanderous, uh, brutal, um, treacherous, rash, conceited. I mean, that's, that's hard stuff, isn't it? But here's... Another word that he uses in there to describe this group of people, and he says, ungrateful. Wow. It, it's like when, when they were up here praying, and they're, they're reading these, you know, and they're, and they're praying here, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening, and I'm going, yeah, that's, you know, we're getting there. We're getting people who love themselves. We're getting people who are boastful. We're getting people who are prideful. We're getting people who are, are selfish. You know, we're get, yeah, you see slanderous, you know, harsh, hard people. And then she said, ungrateful. And I was like, whoa, whoa. That is right there in that list of horribles. That is right there in that list of the terribles. That is in that list of, of how it's going to get at the end times. There's a progression here, I believe, of, of bad things happening. Because there's always been, these, these sins have always been. They're, they're not suddenly appearing out of nowhere and they're new sins, all right? But there's, it, it, it seems to indicate here that there's going to be this, this abundance, this proliferation, if you will, of these wretched sins and these terrible sins, and in there is ungratefulness. And I was like, man, God, help us. Help us even as the church, because we have this seedbed for this. You know, we have, the, we have, we have a tremendous seedbed, if you will, for, for being ungrateful and being less than thankful or thanksgiving, if you will. Uh, you know, that, that idea of thanksgiving. Um, my, my children always put the emphasis on the giving. They said, Dad, we're, we're going to enjoy thanksgiving. What are you giving us, Dad? You know, we will be thankful. You know, I'm like, are you thankful for what you have? Yes, but it's Thanksgiving, Dad. What are you going to give to us? You know, uh, but the reality is, is, it is thanks. It is thanks for giving. God has given. For God so loved the world, He gave. God is a giver. And so we want to, we want to land right there on this idea that God is a giver. But we are called to be grateful. We are called to be thankful to God as Colossians tells us, all right? So it's very, very important that we understand this. We're not just takers. We're not, we're receivers. You know, we're not just takers. And we receive the grace of God that was sung about this morning. And that is so powerful, isn't it? 
All right. So I want us to look at this passage and I want us to deal with it just a little bit here. And I want to first talk about this idea of having a thankful heart. OK, and that is, is I believe a heart. <clears throat> Can you throw? <laughs> I was just asking if they could throw verse 15 up there. Would you look back? Everybody turn and look at the sound booth. <laughs> There's no one in there. All right. So obviously they can't. Would you look in your Bibles? <laughs> Let's go back to the real deal here, okay? Would you, would you, <laughs> there's Cody running over there. <laughs> okay, can you, can you take your Bibles and look at the book of Colossians with me, okay? Let's just, we can turn there and look at it together and look at chapter 3. I want to look at verse 15 there real close for just, just a moment, if you will. I like it when they put it up on the screen because I'm old now and my glasses are, are, are not that good. Uh, so uh, my eyes are even worse. Uh, so it's nice. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I believe that this one is very, very important to the idea of being thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it rule. Let it have, let it, let it have preeminence. Let it guide. Let it direct you. Let it, let it temper your decision making. All right? Uh, because you're one body and you were called to peace. And be thankful. And I, I honestly don't think he's just tagging this idea of being thankful on there. It's not like Paul's writing a letter saying, you know, gosh, I really need to tell them to be thankful. And I don't know quite where to do that. So, uh, you know what, I'm just going to tack it right here. I'm just going to put it in there. No, I don't think he's doing that at all. I, I, I think he, he very much puts it here because there's a, there's a very important correlation here between the two. All right. Uh, this idea of peace that we have with God, all right? And so I want us to, to, to begin to look at our own hearts and look at our responses as we go forward here. So in the days ahead, I'd ask you to do that, all right? Um, this word rule here, um, it, 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 it's not the kind of word that speaks like about a king ruling or, or an elected official ruling in some capacity. This, the idea here is, is, is more of, of like a judge or, or an umpire, all right? Uh, they take, you know, a judge, an umpire, they take, they take information that is available to them and, and based on that information, they make a call, all right? And, 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 of course, there's, there's an action that's going to be followed when they, they make the call. And, and maybe one or all the parties, don't, they don't like what the judge has to say. They don't like what the, the, the umpire uh, calls down, all right? But they're obligated. They've obligated themselves to do whatever the judge says because he's in control. Peace needs to be in control, all right. How often is peace fleeting for us? You know, we're we're at, we're at peace for a moment. You know, oh, is everything all right? Yeah, everything's good. My, when, when we first got married, I would come home, and that'd be one of the first things out of my wife's mouth. Everything okay? You go, well, yeah, it's great. You know, yeah. the next day, everything okay? Yeah, it's fine. You know, about day four into this lovely honeymoon stage of our marriage, I said, what you, what's up? What's going on? Yeah, you know, every day I come home. Are, are you? Did you do something, or did you think I did something, or what's going? You know, is everything all right? You know, and she goes, "No, it's, it's just it's like a greeting." I'm going, "Let me help you." <laughs> I need a different greeting. <laughs> you know, I need like, "Hello, life is wonderful. Let's let's go for a walk or something." You know, not not is everything okay? <laughs> yeah. My mother, when when the postman, uh, the mailman would come 
you know, and, and, and put the, the mail in, in, the, in the mailbox, you know. If someone said, oh, the mail's here, and my mom would go, oh, no. <laughs> Every time, oh, no. And you were, so one day I asked her, I said, you know, Mom, when we were growing up, I remember you used to always, we'd, the mail would come, and you would go, oh, no, why would you do that? And she goes, you just never know, something bad could happen. But that was the standard, you know, method of bringing news was through the, the postman, okay? Sorry, where's, where's my postman? He's, he's out in the back. Okay, good, good, you know, all right. Because the postman was the bearer of good news and bad news. They were the bearer of all news, you know. And so the, the postman would bring it and she said, oh, no, could be something bad, you know. We need to be people who are optimistic, hopeful, ready, all right. God had brought good news, the good news of the kingdom is upon us. The good news of Jesus Christ is here for us. The good news that we were once sinners, but we are now saved. The good news that I went away, but I, I have sent one, a paraclete, a helper, a comforter. The Holy Spirit is here for you. All right? These are all good things. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. My peace I give to you. Not as the world knows. I give it to you. It's mine. It comes out of heaven. All right? Let peace rule. All right? So, if we do get a bad letter from the postman, all right, or, or something else bad happens in our day, there's an there's a umpire that is saying, but here's the call. Be at peace. Be of good cheer. I'm with you. And so we hold to that position that we have peace in God. All right? And I think when we do that, we can begin to be and, and even be aware of why we are thankful. Our focus gets right. Our focus gets set properly in that place. All right? Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of judges. There are a lot of umpires that are out there. Um, and, and, and they would like to have control of your heart. Um, and, and they are not peace. You know? A person who loves money lets money control their heart, control their thoughts, control their actions. Um, who gets hurt? What is right? Those things are not important to that kind of person. Whatever it takes to get more pleasure in a person's life. Sexual pleasure, football pleasure, TV pleasure, food pleasure. We are talking about people eating too much this morning. You know, you're about to go into that season. I told Pastor Dave this morning, I, I, we need to get in the gym and really hit it hard, you know. Ten pounds needs to come off in advance, you know, of what's going to happen. Because we know it's going to happen, you know. And I have concerns about that, all right. So, but there are people who just, they just want pleasure. They're not looking for peace, they're looking for pleasure. There's this, there's this, this wrong way of thinking here. If I am happy, everything is good. You're not always going to be happy. We, you know, that's, some, of, some in the church don't like to hear that. You know, we, remember our little example of happy church and everybody's happy? You know, when the happy worship leader leads happy worship and then the happy preacher preaches happy sermons. You know? And it just, it's not a happy world that way. It's not always happy. But you and I can have peace. And peace can rule our perspective and how we look at those things that are going on around us. And therefore, it can affect our responses. And so we respond differently 
And so even though we're going through difficult circumstances or situations, we can still bless the name of the Lord. We can still enjoy our relationship with God and with others. You know, there are people that just desire control. You know, that's their umpire. Control. I, I just, it's my way or the highway. It's my way or no way. You know, even if they're convinced that their way is not the best way, it's still their way because they have this need for control. And so they can't get away from that. All right? So their umpire is control. It, they have no peace unless they are in control. And that you could name others as well. You know, besides, besides these that, that I've named. But, but it is the peace of Christ, folks, that is supposed to control me. So that, that regardless of where I have financial difficulty, or, or my health goes bad, uh, or, or my relationships with people get upset and are, and are rocky, Christ is the peace. It is, it is Christ that, that, that guards me, He guides me, and He is the umpire of, of my life, if you will, in that respect. All right. So when I have a disagreement with someone, it's not my emotions that control my thoughts and my actions. All right. It is the peace of God that passes understanding. Christ's peace decides how I'm going to respond to the events and to the people in my life. Do you, do you understand that? Does that make sense to you? Um, this is one of those areas where it's so easy for us in relationships to get out of sync, all right? To, to, to kind of step out of the center, if you will, all right? And so what I want to challenge us to is to understand that we're actually, we're actually called to peace. We're actually called into this thing of peace, all right? And so the peace of Christ is, is how we live in these relationships with one another, and then Paul says, and then be thankful. Be at peace. Be thankful. All right? And again, not an afterthought. It's actually a part of, the, part of the, the package. It's a part of the deal, if you will. All right? So we need to let uh, peace rule in us. Now, if you don't see it directly, which I think you can pretty much, it's obvious in this passage that we read that relationships are really essential. They're, they're really important here. And so I want to challenge you and I that, that we cultivate our relationships. And I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of times, within the context of family, especially extended family, there can sometimes be tensions. There can sometimes be difficulties. There can sometimes be misunderstandings. There can sometimes be offenses. There can, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Now, let's break that down a little more here, okay? I, I'm sorry for laughing. I said that, and there are so many of you. You're like, especially you who are spouses, you are looking at each other. <laughs> and, and you've got these looks on your face. No. You, know, you know it. We, we, we all know it. Well, now let's bring it a little closer to home here for all of us in this context. We are a family. We are a family. We do life together. We just took in covenant members, others who, who said, I want to be a part of this family. All right? We're, we're not all going to agree with each other. We're not all going to like the same things. We're not all going to do exactly the same thing all the time. And once in a while, we're going to upset each other. Once in a while, we're going to offend one another. Once in a while, we're going to come in disagreement with one another. 
there are some of you sitting out there right now and you've already decided that my outfit is not the right outfit for me to wear. I know who a couple of you are. Because oh, you tell me. <laughs> I know. I'm a winter. <laughs> Whatever that means. Winters wear, winters wear black and winters wear white. I should always wear a white shirt. You know, some of, some, some of you have said that. I'm wearing a, a tan shirt. Worst shirt for a winter to wear is a tan shirt. And there are a few of you sitting there and you go, why did he wear the tan shirt? I've already told him he shouldn't wear the tan shirt. <laughs> it washes his face out. Now he looks pale. He looks like he's sick. I am sick. I got a cold, okay? <laughs> but some of you, you would dress me differently as the pastor. Some of you would have me wearing ribbed up jeans and baggy t-shirts, and I'm with you. That's all right. I, w- I, I like that look. All right? But some of you would have me wearing three-piece suits with a handkerchief and looking very sharp and very dapper, very suave. I like that too. All right? I just can't afford it. Yeah. But, but some of you, you have a different view of what the pastor should look like or what the pastor should dress like. Some of you have some ideas about how I preach. <laughs> and you, you, you think I should preach differently. <clears throat> I agree. <laughs> but this is me, all right? This is, this is me. I, I, I'm not Swindoll. I'm not Graham. I'm Bill. And I used to try to preach like them. I used to try to preach like one pastor in particular. I loved him. And I wanted to be so much like him. And I, I believed that he had it. And he did. You know, he was just the best. And I, I coined his phrases. And I started wearing khaki pants because he wore khaki pants. Remember those days, Pastor Dave? I wore, I wore khaki pants because he wore khaki pants. I bought these penny loafers because he wore penny loafers. I still wear them. And I, and I, I, wore, I wore like these blue Oxfords because that's what he wore. And I, I, in my preaching, and I preached some things here in this church that I learned from him as he mentored me. They were phenomenal things. And they are some of the things that has carried this church and I would never lose them. But he made a horrible mistake. And he fell. And it was so hard for me. Because I had put some of my identity in him. And then I was like, God, what? I, I want to hate him so bad. I just want to not. I want him to be punished. I put everything about how I was going to be a pastor and preach and, and teach. I was learning it from him. Was, You're the guy I'm going to learn from. You're the guy that's going to mentor me. You're the guy that, that it, you're going to help me and I'm going to, I'm going to be a great pastor because I'm going to be like you. I was, I, I was like a little kid looking up to a guy saying, I want to be just like you. And then he fell and it became a huge public Failure. And there I was. I was like, what do I do? And it was like, I was hurt. I was hurt. I was like, God, what do I do? Because I don't want to like him anymore. I, I, I really, I just want to hate him. 
I just want to hate him. That's what I want to do. You never, you've never felt that way about anyone, probably. And God said, I love him. I died for him. I love him. I ache for him and I hurt for him. I long for him. My heart, my heart calls to him. My heart cries out to him. I long to comfort him. I long to cover his wounds. I, I long to cover his shame. I long to restore him. I long to be close to him and be intimate with him. I miss that with him right now. And then it was like God revealed something else about his heart to me. He goes, and I'm missing you right now. Because see, out of my offense and out of my hurt, I wasn't coming to God. I was holding it. I had no peace. And I was holding it in. And I was living in offense. I, I was unforgiving. I want him to be punished. I want somebody to do something. Take care of this. Make me feel better. <clears throat> I'm not rambling. I'm getting somewhere here, okay? Donald Mueller died just a few days ago in, in this city. He died of a lethal injection at the state penitentiary. He died because he brutally raped and murdered a nine-year-old girl. I could tell you the gory details as they are listed in the crime report, but I'm not going to do that. But if I did, some of you, it would make you literally physically ill as to how violent and how brutal this was. He died of a lethal injection. Little Rebecca's mom came back from New York just to watch this. She said, this is Rebecca's vindication. This is my vindication. I'm coming to watch it. I want to watch him die. She sat in the observer's quarters and watched as they injected his arm. She watched as he closed his eyes. She watched as he breathed his last breath. She watched as it was announced at the precise moment when he died. And she got up and she left that observatory. She went outside and someone said, how does it feel? And she said this, it isn't any better. It isn't any better. And my friend, the reason it's not better is because she has not forgiven that man for what he did. She has not been able to do that. I want you to understand, it's a really hard thing. I want you to understand this, because we're going to talk about forgiveness now for just a few minutes. It's a really hard thing to be grateful and to forgive a very hurtful thing. It's very hard. It's very hard to forgive a really hurtful thing. But Matthew chapter 6 says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is an equally hard saying. But nevertheless, it is there. We must be able to forgive. We must forgive to be forgiven. In Matthew 7, it says, For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the, the measure you use, it will be measured out to you. 
Matthew 18, 35 says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. This is the most telling parable. This is, this is the, the guy who comes to his servant and says, you know, you owe me. And the servant says, you know, can you, can you bear with me? Can you forgive me? I know it's a large debt I owe, but can you, can you forgive me? And he says, okay, I forgive you. But then in forgiveness, having experienced that forgiveness, he goes out and finds someone that owes him. And the Bible says he chokes them. He's choking them, saying, give me what you owe me. Be merciful to me. And, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll try to pay you back. No. And he has them thrown into to prison. And, and those who witnessed this went to, to the master and said, this is what happened. And the master comes to him and says, why would you do that, you foolish man? And he is thrown into prison. And then the response is, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. All right? Now, that's the key. Have you ever had anyone hurt you and they, you know, you're waiting because it's like, they better say they're sorry. They better, you know, they better take care of this. I'm just, I'm just going to stew here for a little bit and wait. And they finally come and they go, hey, I'm really sorry. And you go, yeah, no problem. It's all up here. It's, there's nothing here in the heart. There's nothing here in the core that actually forgives. We go through a motion. We go through a process, all right? Get it from this angle. Mark 11, 30, or 25, I think it says, When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. And then we come to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. Put up with each other. All right? Put up with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then James 2.13 says, Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, it's covered in the New Testament, folks. It's, it's, all, it's threaded all in there. If we don't forgive those who harm us, God will not forgive us. If I don't have peace with God, it's a challenge for me to approach Him with a thankful heart, with a heart that's filled with gratitude. This is something we need to get taken care of. We need to get this stuff out of us, if you will. All right? Some people have troubles forgiving people. And I, I, I understand that. I, I, I'm not asking you to just... I'm not asking you to, to, to just excuse it. All right? I'm not, this is not asking you to excuse sin here. All right? I'm not, I'm not saying that you... You're saying when you forgive someone, oh, that's, that's all right. Your sin wasn't really a bother. No. In no way are we excusing sin here. In no way are we saying it's okay to sin. It's okay to hurt someone, all right? But what we're saying here is that forgiveness begins. It, it initiates, if you will, a process, all right? 
I've heard people say this, maybe you have too. I'll forgive them when they come to me and they tell me they're sorry, but I'm not going to forgive them until then. Not God's way. Wrong way, folks, all right? I forgive now, all right? By saying that, we are, we are accepting and we are confessing that we are able to let this thing go into God's hands. Not letting it go, letting it go into God's hands because He is the rightful judge, all right? If we wait for a confession from someone else to, to forgive them, most often we're going to be waiting a long, long time. This is why some people have a great difficulty forgiving people. But the reality is it opens that door for that other person to begin the process of their own confession and their own repentance, if you will. But it frees you up. It frees me up. We are able then to go on. We're able to move on. Now, there are some things you just need to forget. All right? Some things shouldn't be offenses. They shouldn't carry weight. They shouldn't hold on. They shouldn't attach themselves, all right? They're just, they're just offenses, if you will, all right? They're, they're mistakes. They're minor lapses in judgments. They're misunderstandings. They're accidents, all right? They don't really need forgiveness. They just usually need to be excused. We're talking about those things that deeply hurt, those things that deeply wound. And we, we take hold of them and we carry them instead of giving them to God. So you're saying in your mind, well, is this works religion then, Pastor? Or isn't God's grace and God's forgiveness that we sang about this morning, isn't that free? And, and uh, aren't you asking us to earn our salvation uh, by, by forgiving those who, who harm us? Yes, God's grace is free. But folks, it's not cheap. Please un understand me here, all right? When, when God's grace comes alive in our lives, all right, it doesn't leave us as we were. It changes us. It's, it's, it's kind of the, the first point of change, if you will, that, that allows us to, to move forward in becoming like Jesus. And your forgiveness needs to operate the same way. We forgive as Christ forgave. We don't... While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Alright, do you understand that? Christ didn't say, well, Father, I'm, I'm cool with this, but wait till the majority of them come to me. When they come to me, then I'll die on the cross. Then I will forgive them. Then we'll, we'll work it out. But they need to, they're the sinners, not me. I'm holy. I'm pure. I'm up here with you. Sins never touched me. This is, no, wrong, wrong. No. Jesus willingly, for the joy of the cross, He gave up His life that you and I could have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And so I want to challenge us that we forgive now. Because that opens that door. When Jesus forgave on the cross, when He was resurrected, if you will, He is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Man, this is the message. This is grace. This is amazing grace. While you were yet a sinner, He died for you. 
He took care of your sin long ago so that you could experience a right relationship with Him now. He held nothing over you. Just come. Come for this amazing grace. Come and receive this amazing forgiveness. And that opens the door then for us to to become like Jesus. Forgive, folks. Regardless of what's been done, I I have stories here. I'm not going to share them, but about people who lived 20, 30, 40 years without forgiving someone. What a loss. What a, what a horrible, horrible loss. When Joseph's brother sold him, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And we know the story of Joseph and, 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 and what he did in Egypt and how he saved the people from the, 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 the dearth of drought and famine. Let's forgive. Let's lay, let's lay it all down here today. Whatever it is, let's, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to end this now. I just feel, wow, <laughs> like God wants to do something in some people's hearts here right now. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? What is it? Let the Holy Spirit just sift through your heart here for a moment. What is it? What have you held on to? And maybe you confessed for years now. Maybe you've confessed, hey, I I forgave, I forgave, I forgave. But really, it was all in your head. It wasn't deep in your heart. Are you holding on to anything? Let's open the door of opportunity for those people. Let's forgive. Let's let it go. Only you can, can discern whether or not it's, it's something significant enough that you've held it and you've been walking in unforgiveness. Maybe it's just something that you need to excuse in that other person and just let it go and it's, it's little. Let's be done with it. But maybe you'll need to go to that person and say, hey, you know what? This hurt me. I need to ask you to forgive me or I need to forgive you. I need to release you. Forgiveness. So much more powerful. So much more powerful. I want to I just pray a quick prayer and then we're going to give it to Wade for a moment here, okay? Whew. Father, I come to you just humble as a man, as a servant. I don't know what you're doing here. But I know you're doing something. Lord, I want nothing more than for this body of believers to be filled with peace and to have genuine joy. I want us to be able, Father, to be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. Lord, I want for my brothers and sisters to be able to love in all the places that they go and in all the people that they live and do life with, I want them to be able to love and to accept and to care, to show mercy and give mercy, receive mercy. So God, whatever, whatever those things are in the hearts of your people right now, I ask you, God, that you just you begin the work of healing in the name of Jesus. You just wipe these things out, Father. 
Wipe them out in Jesus' name, one by one. Do it, Father, for your glory and for your honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen.